You're listening to the pulpit ministry of North Life Baptist Church with Pastor Harley Snowd. At North Life Baptist Church, our mission is to encourage each person to take the steps of loving God, growing together, and serving others. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.northlife.church. Now, stay tuned for today's message. Good evening. It is good to see you. Uh, thank you for allowing me to be with you tonight. My name is Bradley Edmondson. Uh, my family is here with me. Uh, we're, we're just so happy to be back in Ohio. Um, we were actually, for seven years, we lived over in Ashland, so not far from here at all. We, we lived in Jeromesville, and so this is kind of like a, a little bit of a homecoming for us. Um, in fact, uh, we remember when the church was planted over here and praying for y'all as God was getting this work started and, and praying for the Snowed family as they were coming over. I remember when the Snyders came to be a part of it as well. Uh, we've just been so excited to see what God has done at this church. And so it is definitely an honor and a privilege for us to be back with you this weekend and just kind of share what God's doing in our ministry, hopefully to try to encourage you as you're uh, taking time out of your schedule. Uh, listen, it's not lost on me that it's a Friday night that there's an Airstream Festival, and y'all skipped that to come to church tonight. Did anybody see the Airstream Festival? We did. We were down there by it, and it looked very interesting. Um, it, was, it was neat to see the trailer park came to town is what happened down there. Uh, it was nice to see what was going on. Uh, I, I'm from Alabama. I'm allowed to say stuff like that. So uh, it was neat to see uh, that going on. But I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that you're taking time out of your schedule, and I hope that tonight your heartbeat, your prayer is really saying, God, tonight, it's a Friday night. School's about to get out. There's a lot of things going on. There's graduations and graduation parties. Uh, we got final exams for some kids. We've got kids coming back from college. There's all kind of things. But Lord, tonight, could you just steal my heart for a minute? Uh, Lord, would you just help me to pause and really just clear my, my thoughts for a, a little while about all the other things that are going on? And Lord, help me to think about other people. Help me to think about other people in other locations uh, that may worship another false god and the need for more missionaries and more opportunities to go out. And God, would you speak to me once again about the area of global evangelization? And I think if we come to God with that type of a, of a mindset tonight, I, I truly believe that he is going to do something great. Uh, as we really just kind of prepare ourselves for this weekend and this emphasis that the church is going to put on missions I think we're being challenged with, with just really, like I said, thinking beyond ourselves, thinking beyond these walls, thinking about uh, going be, uh, beyond what is our, our normal life maybe and getting outside of our comfort zone. I believe that there's many ways that we could contextualize this, this theme of missions that we've been given this weekend, but I hope we understand uh, that it is all about a missional lifestyle, that it's all about the heartbeat of God to reach other people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, we know without a doubt that it's the church's responsibility. It is absolutely the church's responsibility to get the gospel around the world. I believe that if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you love him, that that love is in turn going to cause each and every one of us to have a, a passion for others, to know him regardless of the location, regardless of, of their race, regardless of the culture, regardless of the cost that we are going to be absolutely committed to getting the gospel to them. And I really honestly believe the more I travel around the world, the more I travel to churches and, and meet folks, I, I really honestly believe that we're in need of a revival in missions today to accomplish this task. 
Uh, I think we've watched a growing trend over the last few decades of more American missionaries leaving the field than going to the field. And I know the reasons uh, are many. The frustrations are high. I know that the disappointments may be great. Uh, I know that the challenges are large, but there's no doubt that the need is still evident. There's still a need for us to go and reach the world for Jesus Christ. The task is absolutely unfinished. And until our churches... Until we really have a passion for missions, until we we have a a global burden uh, to see people come to know Christ, until we really have a deep belief in the horror of hell and what awaits people that do not know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, I I believe that we're going to fail to accomplish the task that we've been given. Uh, We're going to fail to pray, we're going to fail to give, and most importantly, to go. I think we've got to get beyond where we are today. We've, we've really got to think outside the walls. We've got to think outside the box, really. Uh, we've got to come to a place where we're at the end of ourselves, and we allow God to take us and push us to the next step, to, to being beyond where we are, to be challenged. And so tonight, I'd like to challenge you with what that may look like. Acts chapter 16, if you will. Acts chapter 16. We're going to start in verse number 5. We'll read through a few verses here that I hope will be an encouragement to you. Uh, We'll talk about some things that I I believe that God has used in this passage to encourage me, to challenge me. And hopefully, I can do it in a way that you'll understand. uh, That You'll have to tell me now, too. I know I'm from Alabama, but I talk fast. I, I, I am notorious for talking fast. My wife is usually back there pumping the brakes, but I get too excited. I love missions. And so I'm going to talk fast, too, because y'all can listen fast, and then y'all can get home fast, all right? <laughs> Acts chapter 16. Go to verse number 5 with me. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. Now, when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, But the Spirit suffered them not, and they, passing by Mysia, came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. I love this passage of Scripture because this is so, so interesting to me. I love the first part, how it starts off that Paul has this desire. He wants to preach. He wants to go and tell everybody. I mean, he's got this this plan. He's got his map drawn out. If he would have had GPS and he would have had uh, all of the things that he would have needed to detail out, all the different cities he wants to stop in, the people that he may know, the communities that he's heard about, the people he's been praying for, he wants to go and share the gospel. But it's it's kind of funny to me that along his list, uh, along his checklist that he's made here, uh, God would stop him and say, no, that one's not for you. That's, that's, not, that's not what I have for you right now. I have something else for you to accomplish. I'm not going to allow you to go there. Uh, have you ever been there before? I definitely have. Uh, you'd have to understand that I love learning about people groups. I love learning about ethnicities and cultures. I love visiting them. Uh, I, please don't take this wrong. I, I promise you, I'm not trying to sound braggadocious. I, I love the fact God has allowed me to visit about 70 countries so far. I love being able to to meet the people and try to sit down and hear stories and and to know a little bit about their background. I love to see, in all honesty, not trying to sound uh, super spiritual here, I love to watch the power of Christ and work in people's lives. I love to watch people being transformed by the gospel and watching them break cultural uh, boundaries that may have been given to them by other false religions to see a beautiful new creation in Christ. And I could only imagine that's probably the way Paul felt. 
as he's watching the church being persecuted and being spread across and people are going everywhere sharing the gospel. He was probably very excited about that. I can't wait to go. I can't wait to serve. And he's going towards cities and the Holy Spirit is just directing him different ways. No, you're not going to go there. I have something different for you. You're going to go this direction. Uh, For years now, I've been praying for certain countries, asking God to open doors for us to go and serve in. And he has not opened those doors yet. It is so frustrating to me. God, please, I want to go meet these people. God, I've heard the needs are are so great there. Would you please open the door and let us go? And so far, he has not. But you know what he has done? He's allowed my path to cross with other people. He's introduced me to other needs and other situations. And I think that's what's beautifully happening in this passage of Scripture. In fact, we're going to kind of go down and just really concentrate our time in verse number 9. I love that how this verse starts here. It says here, uh, and a vision appeared. I hope you understand, there's really an anomaly about missions. When you, when you stop and think about missions, when you stop and you think about the families that you'll meet this weekend, when you stop and you really think about what's actually happening for missionaries to go around the world, it's really an anomaly when you think about what other people consider normal life, don't you? I mean, the fact that you have people that may have a career in some type of field where they were a professional of some sort, or maybe they've had training in in some specific area, and then God uproots them, maybe uh, at different stages of life, different ages, different times of, of financial periods of their life, and God uproots them, and God sends them different directions to live with different people to accomplish a different task than they ever imagined. It's such an anomaly here. And when I look at this, I understand that when Paul had this vision, it impressed on him the love of God for all men. But you have to understand that this was not Paul's vision. Did you catch that in this passage of Scripture? This is not Paul's vision. Rather, a vision appears. In other words, this is when God himself wants to impress on Paul's heart something different than he actually wanted for himself. This is where God was wanting to show him the need for others to hear the gospel. People he had not met that he did not know that he was unfamiliar with. People that needed to hear the life-transforming message of God's love. While John knew and he would write about the love of God uh, for the world, this was the moment when God showed Paul clearly this need. This was the moment that God was going to change his heart, burden him uh, for things that were beyond his priority list, that were beyond his checklist. The word vision here means something gazed at, a a spectacle. This was something that was to capture his attention, to to really have his focus, to center his direction. I believe that the spectacle that would cause God to send his only begotten son for our sins is a lost and dying world. God who is is rich in mercy, a a God uh, that is uh, going to commend his love, that would give his only son. He would do it for all of the sinners, the glutton, the drunkards, the abusers, liars, thieves, adulterers, the unrighteousness, and the least deserving. He would do it for me. Uh, Boy, this is such an, an amazing thing that Paul is getting clued in on here. Uh, It's all these people that I have not even heard about yet, that I didn't even know were alive. They need to hear the gospel, and I've got to get to them. Uh, This word translated appeared. It really has a a much deeper meaning than just some type of voluntary observation. It really has the idea that your eyes are wide open, you're absolutely taken by something, and you can't turn your eyes away from it. Uh, You're locked in on it. You're seeing this, and it is certainly going straight to your heart. As we would learn from Lamentations, it will change your heart when you see things the way God wants you to see them. Uh, The vision of missions is something that demands our complete attention. It's something that should cause us to be focused. It's something that should show us the importance of our involvement. And I hope this weekend 
That as you see videos, as you look at prayer cards, as you hear about things that God is doing around the world, I hope that it transforms even the way maybe you look at Facebook or maybe how you watch your news programs or how you, you, uh, uh, you allow in the information of what all is going on around our world, that there are so many hurting and broken people that God is trying to use every one of these avenues to capture your heart's attention and say, there are still people that need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the anomaly is that he wants to use us to go and do it. I love that this verse continues on, though. And a vision appeared. There stood a man of Macedonia. Uh, now, listen, this is the actuality of missions. You, you can't miss this part here. The reality of missions is people. Uh, we've misaligned scripture. Uh, we've misunderstood the heart of God. If we fail to equate missions with people, it's people of all colors, all social backgrounds, speaking different languages, participating in different cultures and customs. This is the dirty people. It's the mean people, working people, rich people, hurting people, corrupt people. It's people in foreign lands that are dying without knowing Christ as their Savior. I hope you understand tonight that there are real people in Yemen that need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, in China, in Sudan, in Nepal, in Suriname, in Angola. Uh, when you really stop and think about it, when's the last time you've met a missionary headed to Suriname? I have not met one yet on my travels. I've heard of them, but I haven't met one yet. When's the last time that you heard about someone going to Angola, Benin? When's the last time we've heard of anybody that was desperate to get into the Congo to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with these people? The reality is there are people all around the world that need to hear the gospel. There's Muslims, there's Buddhists, there's Taoists, there's Jews, there's Sikhs, there's animists. They need Jesus, and we need to ask God to show us. God, help us to see their faces. Oh, man, to hear their heart, to, to know their needs. God, show us the ones that have the tribal markings or the ones with the square jaws or, or the almond eyes. Show us the various shades of their skin. Let us hear their amazing languages. Help us to get over our differences and our misunderstandings so that we realize that they are human beings that were created in the image of the same God that we worship that deserve the opportunity to hear the gospel. Oh, God, get us beyond ourselves and our misunderstandings that we don't see our desires, our goals, our little kingdoms that we're building and the treasures that we're piling up. Help us to see the others who are beyond. Uh, this weekend, you'll hear about different ministry avenues. You're going to hear about different ways that people are trying to get the gospel out and plant churches and create more disciples of Jesus Christ. But I hope you understand it has to always be about the people. That's what God's called us to do. But it's not only that, because he continues on in this verse. There stood a, mass of, a man of Macedonia. Look at those next three words, and prayed him. Now, this is the appeal of missions, because this is the part we as Americans, sometimes we get lost on. Uh, we we've get all the negative news, and we see all the negative things that are happening. And to be honest with you, sadly, we may even get bad portraits painted by missionaries who come back and tell us that people around the world may hate us as Americans, that they hate our God and they hate our Christianity. But the truth is, while there may be fractions of people that do feel that way, there are a lot of people who are begging to hear the truth. And I hope you understand that there is an appeal for missions. We've got to realize that there's a call from God to go and that there is a call from people asking us to come. There's people, there are countless people that want to hear. They want to know God. They want to know his peace. They want to know assurance. They want to know forgiveness. They want to know what happens after this life. They want to know true love and joy. They want to hear your testimony. They want to sing songs and hymns. They want to start Bible studies and be discipled. They want to experience this for themselves and for their family. They want to know our God. 
I'll never forget being in the Philippines, and we were working there, and it was, it was a rough clinic. Uh, we were on the island of General Santos, and, uh, or the General Santos area, excuse me. And as we were working, I mean, every day, it was like the worst cases you could imagine just kept coming through our doors. I, I was working in the pharmacy, and I, I'm sitting there trying to help get some prescriptions ready to go out the door. And one of our ER physicians that was on our team comes walking up to me, and she's just got tears streaming down her face. I said, are you okay? She said, I'm sorry. I know this is unprofessional for me to be crying. She said, but I am just emotionally spent right now. I keep seeing terrible case after terrible case. And she said, there's a man at my station right now that's about to die. I said, what are you talking about? She said, his blood pressure is dropping so fast, he's going to die at my station. I said, okay, he can't die at your station, though. They might think we did something. Uh, which one is your station? I ran down, and, and it was a, a frail older gentleman, and I just kind of scooped him up out of his chair, and I told his wife, I said, y'all come with me, and, and I, I, there was a, a little side room that actually had some mattresses in there, and so I, I took him in there, and I, I laid him down, and as we kind of went over his case history, um, he was dying of end-stages tuberculosis. His wife is sitting there, and so I just talked to them both, and I said, ma'am, I said, you understand that he has tuberculosis? Yes. I looked at him. I said, sir, you, you know you've, you've exhausted all the resources of the, the local clinics, and, and really, to be honest with you, there's nothing we can do for you. Uh, there, there's absolutely nothing that we can do for you. I said, but here's the thing. You, you don't want to be here with us. We're, we're all strangers. Uh, you need to be with your family. I, I asked the nurses, can we, can we start a couple of liters of IV fluids? Let's get his, his blood pressure up. Let's get him stable. We're going we're gonna to pay for a, a vehicle to come and pick you and your wife up, and, and you go home and you be with your family. I said, sir, you do understand that it's a very strong likelihood that you may pass away soon. He was very stoic throughout the entire conversation. Yes, yes, I know, I know, over and over, just very stoic about it. His wife as well. And I looked at him, I said, but sir, do you know what happens after this? What happens after you die? Oh, his look changed drastically then. I will never be able to get his face out of my mind as his lip began to quiver. And he said, I have no clue and I am scared. I said, can I have someone come and share with you what the Bible says? How you can know for sure heaven is your home? And man, to, to have that pastor come in there and listen to him uh, speaking in, in that heart language and tell him that Jesus Christ died for his sins and wants a personal relationship. That man wanted that. That man needed that. And can I tell you that there are people, countless number of people like that all over this world, they're praying for God to send someone to share the gospel, to provide them with hope. There's not a week that goes by that our offices don't get some kind of email, some kind of direct message through social media of people begging, can you come to our community? We see what you're doing in other communities. Can you come bring hope to our community as well? People want to know our God. We were in West Africa, and a missionary from the Cleveland area, most of you may know his name, Bob Mack. He's been there for decades, faithfully serving, doing a fantastic job. Uh, we were headed over there, and uh, between him and, and one of the, the, the men that partners with him in ministry, they were telling me how they'd been praying to get into a specific village. But this village had a stronghold, very much in the ancestral worship in that area as well. They were very proud of the fact that they did not have a church. Um, they had been praying for years to be able to start a church, to get into this community, to try to reach these people. And when we brought a medical team over, they reached out to the village chief and just said, would you like a medical team to come in and help your people? We'll bring an optical team as well to help out. 
Of course, you know what the answer is in a very impoverished location. Absolutely. We would love to have that kind of help. Most of you may not know that glasses in an underdeveloped country can cost upwards to two years salary for some folks to be able to afford one pair of glasses. And by the time they save up that much money, their eyes have deteriorated so much that they'll have to change them even quicker. Uh, we were able to get into this community, but the, the idea was sh- clearly shared with the chief. The only way they will come is if our church people can come too, and our church people can pray with each one of the patients and share our faith with them. Of course, the chief wasn't very keen on this idea, but he, he relented and said, okay, bring the team in for one day only. All right, we'll come. Man, we prayed as a team. God, please help us. Give us the strength. Give us the energy. God, help us today to see as many patients to make as big of an impact because our time is so short. God, help us to do something great. We got there, and I'll be honest with you, we were very warmly welcomed. They brought us in. We got all set up, and man, we went to work. And I'm telling you, we worked hard. It was smoking hot over there. There were so many people. Our minds were blown by the amount of patients that showed up, and we were just working. I kept telling the team, keep going, guys. We got to get as many through here as we possibly can. We've got to get the gospel to these people. By the end of the day, excuse me, by the end of the day, we were getting ready to pack up and leave, and the chief came over, and he said, okay, you got one more day. Hey, all right, no problem. We'll come back tomorrow. That sounds good. So we came back the next day. Again, we're ready to go, stretched out, ready to go. We're warmed up. We get at it. We work hard. End of the day, the chief comes to us. You got one more day. All right, we will do this. And he knew that all day long, those church people were busily sharing the gospel. And we were hearing reports in the evenings that people were trusting Christ that people, their hearts were being open to hear uh, the good news of the salvation message that we were bringing with us. The next day comes, okay, you have one more day. And I had to tell the chief, I'm sorry, but we have to go now. We're, we're flying back to uh, the U.S. We, we'd already been working in another area, and it was time for us to return back to the U.S. But you know what was beautiful about the whole thing is there's now a church in that village. Because you know what? What people think they may need in life, when they hear the transforming message of the gospel, it changes everything for them. And there are people that want to know our gospel. There are people praying for us to come. They don't want another religion. They don't want another God to add to their shelf. They want and they need the true God of the universe, the creator, the sustainer, the king of kings, and the Lord of lords. And listen, while there may be a need for medicine, there may be a need for clean water, mosquito nets, education, they need the gospel. And it's up to us to go. They want the truth, and we've got to go beyond and share it. But he continues on in this verse. He prays him, saying, come over into Macedonia. You see, this man asked Paul to come, and this is really the appraisal of, the appraisal of missions here, because this man asked Paul to come, and there was no promise of funding here. There's no reimbursement plan. There's no contract of hours needed, no safety plan to go over. It was just simply come. We're beyond where you are right now. We want to hear. We want to know the truth, and it's up for us. It's up to us as churches. If God hasn't called us to go, it's up to us to support the ones who are going to go. I appreciate uh, what Brother Souther said in his video Hey, you give to our ministry. Every time we give the gospel, it's fruit to your account. That's exactly how this works. There's so much truth to that. We have got to send people because the truth is they need to hear. And if God has not called you specifically to be the one that leaves your country, then you should in your time where you're here, share the gospel, but get as many people to as many places as we possibly can. J. Hudson Taylor spoke of a journey to China in which he met and befriended a man whose English name was Peter. Each day they would speak and Taylor would share the gospel. 
And Taylor was soon convinced that this man was going to place his faith and trust in Christ. And as they neared the shore of a stopover along the, the journey, uh, J. Hudson Taylor was preparing to go ashore when suddenly he heard a loud splash in the water. People were running around and shouting from the deck. Taylor ran up to the deck and quickly assessed that his friend Peter was missing. A person shouted and pointed to the place where he had fallen overboard, and Taylor jumped in immediately. Several attempts proved futile, but he noticed that there was a fishing boat with dragnets nearby. He yelled over to them, come quickly and help us. The men replied, we're too busy. But a man is in danger. I'll pay you. How much? Three gold coins. It's too little. We'll come for 30. I don't even have that much, but I'll give you everything I have. Well, how much is that? About 12 gold coins. The men came and on their first pass with the net, pulled Peter in the boat. But it was too late. He was already dead. Taylor tells about the indignation and the contempt that fell on the faces of the people in the church where he shared the story. Their disgust with the greedy fishermen. The words that they mumbled under their breath until he asked them, but what of the millions that are dying right now? And yet we're too busy. It costs too much to send the gospel, to get the gospel to them. What of the countless that need to hear of his salvation right now? What's it going to take for us as a church to go beyond? We have to think about the appraisal of missions, that it may cost time, it costs money, it'll even cost lives, but it's too great of an opportunity for us to pass up. He continues on with this verse by saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. You see, this is really the advancement in missions. The thought of being used of God to help others is absolutely humbling. To know that we've been given this opportunity, we cannot do the saving, we cannot do the changing, but to think of being used for that purpose is absolutely incredible. What an incredible privilege, knowing that if you and I, we, we go beyond, if we give beyond, that we could be used to bring eternal help to others. What an incredible blessing this is. Tonight, I guess the question is very simple. I've talked very quickly, but it's very simple. How far are you willing to go? How much are you willing to give? Is it going to be really the status quo, the same old, same old, no increase? Oh, man, I hope tonight we can turn our hearts towards Christ, that we can realize that tonight, just like Paul was experiencing, there are people begging to hear the gospel. We need to go and reach them.